I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Who am I? Why am I here? <laughs> the old questions. And you know, it it's interesting because so many of the issues in our society today, uh, you know, it revolves around identity. And that classic question of, of who am I, people seem to be answering in a lot of different ways. And the more that our culture gets away from biblical values and biblical truth, the weirder those answers get. But no matter where you're at, it's a valid question and one that needs to be asked. And really, until you answer that, uh, you're, you're going to struggle in a lot of ways in your life. So we're going to talk about that, that, that sense of identity. Uh, and of course, you know, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ follower, and that's where I find my identity. And it breaks down a lot of these other barriers and walls of gender and this construct we call race. Uh, and, and it actually opens up, if you understand Christianity, opens up to relationship with people who are not of my faith. Uh, and it's a really nice place to be. It solves so many problems. My guests today are John and Angel Beeson, and uh, they have a book on this very topic that's available right now, or if you get books. It's called Trading Faces, Removing the Masks that Hide Your God-Given Identity. And I like the phrase there because so many of the things that the culture wants to put on you or the answers that people find outside of God are just that. They're masks. And they hide the truth. So we're going to break down some of those today. John and Angel Beeson are out of the Tucson area. And John is a pastor at New Life Bible Fellowship in, in Tucson, Arizona, for those of you who might be out there. Angel is a counselor at a place called Whole Hope. So we're kind of bringing in uh, a couple different areas of expertise, scripture, counseling. Uh, and I think it's a, a nice pair. So Glad to have them today. Glad to have you watching, by the way. Hello, Henrietta out there. Yes, thank you for sharing. If you know someone that this topic would be relevant for, which I would say is everybody, but, you know, hit that share button. John and Angel, great to have you on Life Today Live. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. All right. I'm going to dive right into this and let you guys, you know, share what you, you've spent so much time dealing with. Walk us through a little bit of the the sort of the overview of trading faces and the message that you guys are. It's obviously uh, important to you guys, but the one that you're sharing with others. Yeah, you you hit really well on like that the cultural pull of of trying to identify with with all sorts of kind of you, you could say I am what I feel mm -hmm. is a lot of kind of the way our culture addresses that issue. Um, but I don't. I don't think it's just reserved for the culture. I think our own hearts pull us away from the truth. Our flesh does, mm -hmm. as well as kind of the church can kind of serve to pull us away from the truth as well. And so, um, you know, you know, you think of even good roles, healthy roles, help, you know, important roles as husband, as wife, as mom, as dad, um, even vocational roles, all important in terms of who we are, and yet not essential, not core to who we are. And so. 
it's it's kind of into that that we stuck. We wanted to both kind of deal with the cultural confusion, but also deal with the confusion of our own hearts mm -hmm. and then kind of step into what the Bible has to say. And and what what you find when you open the scripture is, is that the the Bible has lots to say about who we are. God speaks to us in all sorts of identity terms, even just constraining us to the New Testament. We're constantly referred to as saints uh, in the New Testament. We are ambassadors. We are uh, those who are abiding in Christ. Uh, we are the branch. You know, you, you go on and on. We are priests. And, and that language just becomes so much more life-giving for us when we begin to understand who we are in Jesus Christ. Who has he made us to be? That's, that's the journey of trading faces. So I appreciate you pointing out something, and, and that a lot of the identity things are not bad things. They are actually good things. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. Now a grandfather. I can't believe it, but yeah, I am, um, which is great, by the way, and I'm, I'm ready for more. We got another one on the way. But, you know, even those, even when they are, I would even say, called of God, right? Mm -hmm. If that's where we stop, it can, it can be problematic. For example, you know, my wife, who stopped working, when our first child was born and raised four children. Uh, we had four and five and a half years, so believe me, hers was the full-time job, not mine, you know. Um, but when those kids, you know, that last one got married a couple of years ago and they're all out of the house, if her identity was strictly as a, a mother, she'd be left feeling a little empty. I know a lot of women go through that. A man could lose a job and now he doesn't know who he is. Um, how do we, how do we, put those good identities into their proper place without putting our full stock and identity in those because they can go away or we can grow out of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it begins with um, dealing first. I mean, I think we, we put our full identities in those particular roles for a reason. Um, it doesn't just happen. And mm -hmm. I think that's one reason why we begin um, with the chapter shame, because a lot of times we have this shame language that might say, right, I am a burden. Um, that might then, if that's a core belief I feel about myself, I'm going to look for anything and anyone to help me prove to myself to not feel that pain of being a burden or um, to make me feel better about myself. And maybe I'm going to ignore that pain and I just, I'm, I'm looking for my happiness and I will be happy when I'm a wife yeah. or when I'm a mom. Yeah. And so we just, we start, it, it's a trip. It's just a cumulative effect where now all of a sudden my filter is I have to be the right wife and the right mom. And this is going to be it. Um, but it, we've never understood those as fundamental roles that God has called us to steward. Yeah. Um, they're not, like the unchangeable, non-negotiable, like rooted, grounded identities that God has called us to, that no person or no thing can change. So I think we really need to start understanding that there are roles that God has given us to steward and deal with the shame in our own hearts that actually push us towards claiming those those roles as identities. That, okay, that's interesting because you're, you're distinguishing between a role and an identity. Um, and I can see, you know, I mean, guys do that on a regular basis. When I go to work, 
and I'm fulfilling this role at work. And then I go home and I'm fulfilling husband or father, you know, a different role at home. Um, but are, do a lot of people have difficulty separating those roles from the core identity? Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, because like they develop these little feedback loops for us, right? Like you, I mean, any dad, any mom knows like there's like this whole chamber of your heart that opens when your child enters the world. And you're like, I did not know love could exist like this. Right. And that's, that's a reward. That's a gift. That's yeah. a rewarding thing. Right. Yeah. And yet, and, and, and yet it in, can entice us to, to then pull. I am happy when my child is happy. Right. Mm. I am, I am, I am good when my child, like when the outcomes of their life are good and what, what I want them to be, which, which of course, like we can see it for somebody else. Like, <laughs> oh, that's a problem, right? Like that, <laughs> right. that, that train track runs off the cliff, right? Yeah. But when it comes to ourselves, like that reward loop is so tight, right? Like, you know, and, and, and whatever that is, whether it's the workaholic or whether it's the person who's, who's identifying by their sexuality, like, we identify that way because because there's rewards with those and and yet we also have to recognize that those things are are shifting sand yeah like yeah. they're not they're impermanent mm -hmm. and it's only when we rest in the permanence of Jesus Christ of who he says we are from the beginning um that there's actually rest in our identity because the identities that that we create on our on our own they're not restful, right? Like if my identity is as a pastor, like mm -hmm. what does that mean? Like how successful of a pastor do I have to be for me to be secure in my identity? Um, how how happy does my congregation have to be with me? And, and I've been in that place <laughs> where I've, I've run off the tracks. And, you know, and you'd think, well, how, how could that happen? Like being a pastor, that's a good thing, right? Like how, how could that possibly be bad? Well, it, it's devastating. Like it basically ruined our, it almost destroyed our marriage because of my own connection of my worth to what the sheep, the sheep that God had called me to, what they thought of my worth. Okay. That's interesting because, I mean, now, now you're not talking something that we look at and go, oh, that's in the world. It's wrong. We, we go, oh, that's a calling from God. That's a, uh, you know, an a ministry, you, you know, you're ordained for that, you're anointed for that, your gift, whatever we, we put on it. Um, how, what, what, what were you missing? Do you think in that? Hmm. I, I think I was, well, I mean, to put it in, in identity language, I was missing that my identity is as a sheep, not as a shepherd. In fact, hmm. the Bible's clear about this. I'm, I'm not a shepherd. I'm an under shepherd, right? Hmm. Like, I am only stewarding that task that God has given me. And so in as much as, as that calling glorifies God, great. But if I've forgotten that I'm first a sheep who needs a shepherd, mm. who needs, who needs the shepherd to, to plant my nose by streams of living water, to push me down yeah. <laughs> in green pastures, then I have an unsettled soul that will never, never be fulfilled. Yeah. Part of the problem that we do in that, what the heart is doing 
is that we have room for one person on the throne of our hearts, and his name is Jesus. But whether it's <clears throat> for me going into marriage, I mean, he was my idol. He was the one I was looking for, for security, protection, comfort. You know, John looks to the congregation, to his role as pastor for respect, <clears throat> excuse me, for comfort, etc. Like, that's a whole bunch of other people, right, on the throne of our heart. Mm -hmm. And their names aren't Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so to that end, we are walking in, like, fundamental idolatry. And it's false worship. And the Lord loves us too much to leave us in that space. And like John said, our, our marriage almost completely fell apart. Um, and he, this was part of the work of trading faces and what it came out of. God, God is really teaching us a new language, mm -hmm. like his language over us of who we are, that even if we, if one of us were to die or if we were to lose our children, or if we were, you know, homeless, like the Lord's who we are in Christ cannot be changed. And it's life-giving and it's full of peace and security and comfort and protection and all the things we look for in the world around us. Yeah. And it's interesting because if we are looking to other people, even good people, even people we love, people that love us, if, if we're looking for them to um, fully validate us, they're also fallible. So they're going to make honest mistakes and disappoint us. Uh, and, and sometimes they can be people, especially like in a church conference, sheep can bite, you know, <laughs> it's like you got, you, you're, you're going to, somebody's going to be upset with you at all times. God knows COVID showed that you couldn't make the right decision in COVID with the church congregation because half of them are going to, well, you know, you know, you know what it's like. Uh, and, and that's, that's okay. Unless that's where your identity is. And then it's very problematic because it's going to be a rough ride. Um, so how did you guys, how did you guys not lose your marriage? The grace of the Lord, first and <laughs> foremost, who truly is our rescuer. Um, so part of how, I mean, it wasn't just because of John that we almost lost our marriage. I, I had my own sinful choices and I walked the road of adultery. Mm. And so together when the Lord broke me, which is, was a space of true confession and repentance and we spent many a years of just God's grace on our life and provision where we both, we both made, well, the Lord gave, gave John a Hosea kind of heart for me hmm. um, and just gave him a heart of forgiveness. And we walk the road of repentance, both of us owning our own sin, not blaming each other for our sin. Um, and then what walked forgiveness, restoration, and reconciliation. And that was a long process. You can't rush your healing. We learned that. And it's all in God's timing. But with two individuals, by the grace of God, that are willing to be broken and are willing to own up and confess their sin without blaming the other person, like God does really miraculous things. Mm -hmm. okay. We give him the glory. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. You open up a big one there, and I don't mean just the idea of, of adultery. I, I'm talking about when we do things that we regret that are wrong, because we all do, and there are, yeah, there are degrees. Uh, some are easier to cope with than others, but that can become the identity. Yes. Yes. And the thing is, there, there's truth in it right you know the mm -hmm. idea you're you're a sinner 
you know, yeah, we're, we're all sinners. The Bible actually tells us that. Uh, and, you know, uh, we have this old expression in the Baptist church. Um, I don't know what kind of church New Life Bible Fellowship is, but, you know, um, all I'll ever be is a sinner saved by grace. And I just go, that's not the end of the story because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true. So you can't say, well, that's not true. Mm-hmm. So when we fail, when we come to grips and agree with God that our sin is sin and that we need a savior, which is the core of repentance, which is absolutely necessary. How do we not stay there? Because mm-hmm. it's to him, to me, it's like the, the prodigal son coming home and saying, look, I'm not worthy. True. You know, I've squandered everything. True. I've, you know, I've been living with the pigs. True. Uh, to be accepted as a slave would be a step up true but that's not where the you know the father of the prodigal stops uh how do we not live in that identity that is true that is tied to our own failure yeah this is something i'm very passionate about because god just hit me so hard i mean as the woman at the well in scripture if anyone knows that story how do we not stay there? And this is just a profound invitation that the Lord gives each of us in our sin. Like this is where the blood of Christ becomes personal, Mm -hmm. right? I can say Jesus died for your sins and growing up in evangelical church, right? Jesus died for everybody's sins. You're all covered. There comes a moment where you're like, okay, but how did he die for my sin? How is his blood real for me? And that's how we don't keep picking it up. And that's why shame, right? Okay. So I could say I am an adulterer. No, I committed adultery, but in Christ, he has never once called me an adulterer. That's the shame language that says I am something. And so I have an invitation to let, to receive the blood of Christ, no matter however we've sinned, but this is what we do. When we repent, we, we take that sin, we lay it at the foot of the cross, and we allow the blood of Christ to cover it because Jesus says, my blood sets you free. My blood makes you pure. Mm-hmm. Now, leave it there, receive my blood, and get up and go and sin no more. So it re- it requires a turning, a, a turning away of sin, right? But that's how we we let the blood of Christ meet us personally and truly receive the gift that it's enough. And then we have to change the language. If Jesus never called me an adulterer, he knows I committed adultery. He gives me a new language. Right now I am a a redeemed sinner, right? One of the biggest lies that we tell ourselves is either, there's two sides, right? I'm either, this is chapter two in Trading Faces, that I can be good without God, right? Or that's that's what the world says. But if I'm in Christ, one of the biggest lies we can tell ourselves is, I can be, I'm this redeemed sinner, but I I totally miss out on, but I'm no longer, I'm in Christ, but But I'm I'm worthless. I'm in Christ, but I'm bad. I'm in Christ, but I'm not valuable. I'm in Christ, but I'm not enough. That's just, that's, that's just, that's not, that's not being in Christ Mm -hmm. because to be in Christ, you are worthy. You are enough. You are set free. I mean, the list goes on. I think I just now, after all these years, got why that phrase bothers me that, uh, you know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace because it says I'm a sinner instead of I have sinned. 
And and that's the beauty. We come. The scripture says we come as slaves, but He raises us up as sons and daughters, and that's the identity aspect of it, because we we admit who we you know, the things we've done, right? But we allow God to tell us who we are. Mm-hmm. How how does that change? Well, how does that change you guys? And how do you see it changing others when they realize that? whatever they've been that mask they've been wearing whether it's the mask of shame or the mask of a good work uh if you go beyond that and go no let's let's for a second see who god says that you are how does that how does that change things hmm well i i mean let me just tell you tell you a little bit about my own journey like even as we wrote the book so one of the things we got into uh, in the book was kind of dealing with, there's a lot of science around uh, positive uh, self-affirmations mm-hmm. out there. And the the thing that became frustrating for me as I, as we looked into it was like, ah, oh, like these are, like, that's effective. Why is that effective? Because it's so corny. It's so hokey, right? <laughs> to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm powerful. I'm, <laughs> I'm handsome, right? But like, like here's here's what's interesting. For years and years, I not only allowed negative self-talk to just bounce around, echo in my head, but I amplified it. Mm. And and I did so because it felt humble, right? It felt like it was protecting me from pride. Like, oh, you idiot. Oh, you're a failure. Ugh, what a loser. Like, and I just let that go on, right? But is is this how God talks of us? Mm. Is this how Jesus speaks of his children not absolutely not right like and and so what's actually interesting is that so you know we look at look at those studies and i i, I just want to say hey like let's redeem that because that's mm-hmm. there's actually core truth in that mm-hmm. that i am not made to speak lies negative lies over myself and it's not it's not hokey for me to pick up the new testament and say actually what i want to hear is the words that Jesus speaks over me, the words that God speaks over me in in his words. And I can do that. And I can deny the lies that my flesh, that the enemy speak over me. And that's actually a freeing thing to do. Um, And so I think that there's just a treasure trove for us in the New New Testament. Like if, if reader, if you do nothing else, like you could just pick up our book, look at, look at the index. We've tried to index as many of as much of the identity language as we can throughout scripture and just thumb through that and just begin to, to speak language that God speaks over you. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that may feel a little weird to people at first, but I mean, that is really, I think, core to understanding again, what God says about us. And, and this can be hard. Um, you know, the world puts things on us, good people put things on us. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes we develop a lot of these things. So it's such, such a young age that they feel mm. really, really comfortable. Um, yes. I'm, I'm just curious, Angel, in, in your counseling, especially, um, what are some of the most common things that you see that are barriers to people getting to the point that that you guys have gotten to? Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I probably hear almost in every session with a new client, at least mm-hmm. is I am not enough. Yeah. That somewhere along the line, there's this striving to 
be enough, um, to do enough, to feel enough, to be enough. And I think that's the biggest barrier is that we're living for man. We've got someone else on the throne of our hearts and we're giving power to their voice. We're giving power to their opinion. We're giving power to their preferences, whatever it is. We're carrying, we're giving power to their emotions, right? We take their choices and their emotions and we carry them in our own backpack as if they're our responsibility. And in that mindset, in that heart space, there is nothing we can do that's enough because man is never satisfied mm-hmm. in the flesh. We are constantly hungry and there we can never do enough. And so that's a huge barrier that I find that I love um, finding breakthrough in with the people I walk with. Well, that last question, because I think this is something that's needed in the church, especially um, it's, is that under understanding that, um, who God says we are, in my opinion, greatly changes how we look at other people, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, and I, one of the most obvious shifts I see is that when we sort of, you know, wear that religious mask and we look out on the sinful world, it turns into condemnation real fast. And then we mm-hmm. forget you know, we may quote John three sixteen, but we forget John three seventeen that says Christ mm-hmm. didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but the, that the world might be saved. But when we are secure in that true identity of who God says we are, um, we see, especially lost people. Okay, we see people in the church who may we may disagree with or who may make mistakes. Shocker. We 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 less see them as hypocrites or heretics you know, but someone that maybe we should listen to or maybe that we can help correct and, and we can do that in a loving way. You look outside the church and we, we see fewer targets for God's wrath and destruction and we see lots of targets for God's redemption, which puts us, I think, on a better path of action. Um, how has this understanding not just changed your perception of yourselves, but of those that you encounter on a regular basis? personally, I mean, the reality is is everyone is an image bearer of God and everyone longs to be known and to know, to be loved and to love. And so like to walk around the world, whether I'm at the grocery store or at the park, wherever I am, like to see the person in front of me as an image bearer of God who longs to be loved and known, Mm -hmm. which means I can't ask enough questions about that person. It's, it invites us to be curious about the people around us. I mean, we live in such a self, I mean, just in the flesh, we are so self-absorbed and so self-centered. And if we could just taste, if we could just taste the beauty of seeing one another as true image bearers of God that have these deep longings to be known and to be loved, like it, propels us to be curious about the person in front of us. It propels us to aspire to serve like Christ did. Yeah. It it just changes how we do what we do. I oh, get so so right. I mean, and take take the most different example, you know, you see that obvious man who's dressed as a woman, and when you see them the way you're talking about, that's a mm-hmm. whole different it's a whole different thing. It, it, it helps you understand why Jesus hung around with with sinners so much, you know, um, John, how does it change the, the way? Not judgment. I'm saying, say that again. 
We can lead with compassion, not judgment. I love it. See? And we can go with 100% grace and truth. It's grace that gets us into the sinner's world. It's truth that gets them out. And we got we to gotta have both. That's what Jesus did. How does that change the way you pastor, John? Hmm. Yeah. We, I, I pastor as someone who's, who struggles with this every day. I, I, I need to be reminded of who I am. Yeah. And so we, we don't, we don't pastor as those who have all the answers. We hold the answers, praise God in his word, but so do the people. So does everyone. And so I think we can, I think that empathy is so huge. And I I also think that there's a sense of like, it's the me too, like uh, not in, not in the, uh, right. Right. Not in the hashtag. hashtag. (laughs) Like on there too, right? Like I, I may not have your specific struggle with that specific temptation toward being pulled to that identity, mm-hmm. but I'm right there with you. Like, and I, I don't stand over you. Like you look at how, you know, Paul had this really combative relationship with the church at Corinth. Like they, they didn't trust him. They kept listening to other people that they, they, they were mocking him behind his back, but you listen to the way that Paul speaks to them. Right. To the saints of God who are at Corinth, mm. grace and peace be with you. Mm. Like he speaks with compassion and love to them. Not just it's not window dressing. He speaks into them their their identity because he he because what they think of him it 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 doesn't it doesn't affect him. Like like he loves them, mm. but ultimately his source of joy, his source of grounding is coming from his savior, his rescuer, and so he can speak those words of eternal truth to them. Well, and it's changed your, the way you take responsibility, but your dependence of responsibility on the Lord, not on yourself. Yes. Oh, liberating. Absolutely liberating. I love it. I love it. Okay. I want to show people uh, some websites, give them some, give them some resources. If you want to follow up uh, in any way with John and Angel or one or the other, this is Whole Hope Counseling. Uh, Their website, it's wholehopecounseling.com. Uh, and, and that's where Angel uh, does her work. The church site is newlifetucson.com. For those of you non-Arizonans that can figure out how to spell Tucson, it's newlifetucson.com. I always struggle with Yeah, I know, right? I always struggle with that. And then uh, a new site I want to introduce to you. This is the Beehive Live, uh, and that's a blog site where you blog, John. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We blog there. There's free resources. Actually, there's an, a quiz that you can take on there for free to kind of begin to kind of pull out from you, like what what might be the the identity struggles that are are in me. Yeah. Oh, good. I love action items for people that need to follow up with this. And if you're struggling in any any way in this area, uh, or if you just want to just be encouraged, because good lord just the conversation you know the reminder of of who we are in christ and who god says we are who who he makes us really because we're not that on our own it's it's an honor a privilege and it's a it's a wonderful reminder and wonderful exercise so if you want to follow up anyway is there anything i miss i appreciate both you guys so much as larry says mm-hmm. this is informative and inspiring and it really is anything okay. you want to mention before i let you go God bless you. Thanks Just for that, your ministry. Um, the, the beehive dot live, if people wanted, there was a dot right before that live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we just say also, like, there's, for those of 
of you who who did pick up the book, there's actually our email mm-hmm. information in there. We we genuinely would love to connect with you, hear how this impacts you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and thanks for pointing that out. I did have it right on the screen. The Beehive dot live. It's not a dot com. It's not a dot org. Throws some people. It's a dot live, which is a real thing. <laughs> so the Beehive dot live, which is tied into Beeson, you, you'll figure that out. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. Really good, really good information. Uh, I, I love your heart, and I love uh, that you're taking the time to point this out because this is so needed in our society. And inside the church, outside the church, it applies to all of us. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for watching out there. Hit that share button. Hit that like button. And do check out trading faces wonderful resource for you wherever you get books and uh, come back we'll see you again next time here on life today live